Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hey, it's Educator Barnes here, and the next episode of Brazen Education is called School Staff Should Listen to Students. And today on this episode, I have two special guests because if we're going to talk about students, shouldn't I have some students on the podcast? And there are two students. um, I guess I'll just be honest. They're my favorite students. I know them. I love them. And they are my sons. So on the podcast with me today, I have my sons, Jeremiah Barnes and James Barnes. They are identical twins and they are in the third grade. And this topic is near and dear to my heart because ever since my sons have entered school, and I'm talking about preschool, pre-K-3, they have had difficulty with their behavior. And we, so that would be them, uh, my husband and I, have had difficulty getting on the same page with um, school staff in the best way to move forward to change the behavior. I don't know if you'll say luckily or unluckily. Typically, for the most part, we haven't had issues with their behavior at the same time. But what's frustrating and what I told their school principal, I'm like, there has not yet been a school year where I haven't had to talk to you about my son's behavior. And I find that incredibly frustrating. In pre-K-3, my son Jeremiah had some struggles in pre-K-3 and pre-K-4 and in kindergarten. Um, and in first grade, we're not going to really talk much about preschool right now because typically before I get on the podcast, I think about what we're going to talk about. And when I have guests, I kind of say, hey, and he's like, well, I don't remember so many diff- so many things. But can I talk about what you know? I remember pretty clearly? I said, yes. So, Jeremiah, can you tell me about a time? Uh, well, tell me about something you did at school that wasn't a good choice. I threw a chair. I moved to my desk and I... Uh placed my desk somewhere where I wasn't supposed to, like in the corner of the room. So, Jeremiah, what caused you or um, put you in a situation where you felt like you needed to throw a chair and move your desk? Because these people I sat by, they would always annoy me, and I told on them, and and they went up to the teacher and said they would stop, and they didn't stop. So I told the teacher again, and she said that they'll eventually stop if you don't react. So I didn't react, but they kept going, doing it. So you're in a situation where you have some classmates. They're bothering you. You do what, you know, mom and dad told you to do. Tell the teacher. Teacher talks to the students. The students say, hey, we're going to leave Jeremiah alone. But instead of doing that, they kept bothering you. And your response um, was to throw a chair and move your desk. Now, anytime you have misbehavior at school, does mommy and daddy say, yeah, that was okay? No. No, we don't say that's okay. So I didn't want to put that out there. Even though I'm talking about some behavior, and even though that isn't extreme behavior, uh, Educator Barnes and Mr. Barnes, we don't condone that. However, I think there's some validity in talking about the fact that he's having some problems with his students. And were these students ever moved away from you? No. No. So is that something that you would have wanted the teacher to do? Yes. 
And so this is one of the, this is one of the situations, you know, I want to kind of bring up to the forefront when I'm talking about school staff should listen to students. I'm not saying we're saying that the students should run the school, but it's important to think about if a student is reporting harassment because I'm, that's the word I'm going to use. Because if something is repeatedly happening and it doesn't stop, I mean, you're being harassed um, and there's not a different intervention taken that can cause a problem so now i'm going to bounce over here to uh my son james james can you tell us about a time where you had some difficulty in school and you made some poor choices well um i threw some of my food um kicked some chairs kicked my desk and um refused to do my work and um yelled at the teacher Tell me about why you would refuse to do your work because for your birthday, actually, my boys, they just turned nine a few weeks ago and I got them a shirt. Do you remember what the shirt said? Mm-hmm. What did it say? It says, um, I'm black, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, gifted and I'm, uh, special. So it said I'm young, gifted and black. And I, and I got them these shirts for their birthday because I wanted them to know and um if you haven't heard the song by nina simone check it out i wanted them to know like you guys are talented you're you're young you're gifted you're smart and you're black and you should be proud of all those things and they do my sons do well academically they score high on our nwa assessment right now both of them in one subject area are slated on our state's test to they're predicted to be pass plus but still you're refusing to do work. So tell me why you would be in a situation where you're refusing to do work. Well, um, usually the teacher doesn't really um, describe my work as well as I want her to because I can't really understand what she's trying to tell me. So I have to keep asking and asking the teacher again. And by um, the time her work time is over, I have nothing done. And the teacher finally explained it to me in a way that I understand as soon as the work time's over. So when I start doing my work, I have no time. And then that makes me angry, so I end up not doing my work. So you feel like you're in a situation where you're not set up for success. Teacher explains something, you ask for help, it's not being explained. So you're really saying, uh, and for my teacher listeners, we would call this a skill gap, an inability to explain content in a way that's comprehensible to the student. And I know that may be a bit much <laughs> more than you wanted me to explain, but that, 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 that's what it is. It's, it's, it's a skill gap. But tell me about yelling at the teacher. So first first off, do mommy and daddy condone that behavior say that's okay? No. No, we do not. But you had a reason. So tell us about the reason. Why, why would you yell at a teacher? Well, um... I most likely yell at my teacher because um, usually she said I have says I have to take a break, but I don't really need to take a break because I'm not even angry, and that and the only reason why I get angry when I take a break is because I feel like I'm being forced to take a break, and I don't really like being forced to do stuff at all. And and he has a good point, and I told him I said. There are battles that you can fight. I said this to both of my sons. There are battles that you can go fight, but then there are battles that mom and dad have to go fight. And so let me give you a specific example from this school year. 
Um, this school year, I got an email uh, first semester saying that, you know, James was asked to take a break. And on his way out, he kicked the door and he slammed it. And then he eloped. And for those of you that don't know, we, the, we use the word eloped in school to say that you just kind of skipped out and you went somewhere else. Uh, and the t- teacher told him to go take a lap. But not only did he not want to take a lap, he just kind of walked off. He didn't take the lap around the building. And so I respond back to say, why did you ask my child to take a break? What was he doing? And the teacher said he was talking. So I said to my son, were you talking to yourself? And you said. No, no, he wasn't talking to himself. So the story goes, he was talking to another student. He was reminded to stop talking. Then him and this other student started talking again. And the teacher asked him to leave and take a break. So right there, you can see why somebody would get upset because he wasn't talking to himself. He was talking to another student. And instead of the teacher saying, you and -and so-and-so go take a break together, uh, or you go each go to another class and to a buddy classroom. And for those of you that don't know what that is, you're not educators. In schools, a lot of times when we say go to a buddy classroom or go take a break, we're saying go next door to miss so-and-so's room, sit in there for five minutes and then come back and collect yourself and get back on task. But he was only asked. So my pushback, I did it. I try really hard when I interact with the school to interact as a parent. But I am an educator. So I had to put my educator hat on. I said, so when is it that we kick kids out of the classroom for talking? Because I, I didn't think that was a thing. And, I, and I, I was pretty blunt because at this point in time, admin got involved. Because I was just like, so you, you say you go take a break because you're talking? And then you don't make the other child go take a break? And I said, how about we use proximity? Or how about if he keeps running his mouth to so-and-so, why don't you move him on one side of the room and the other kid on the other side of the room? Why was your response to get out of the class? So then he responds by kicking the door and slamming it. Now, I, I went off. He already will tell you. I said, I don't care what the teacher is doing. I do not care. You do not respond by kicking something and slamming the door. But he said to me, Mom, I'm just so mad. I'm so angry because why did I have to leave? Why did I have to go? I was just talking. And think about it. If you're a kid and this is happening to you day in, day out, day in, day out, you're always being asked to leave. And in my case, my black male sons being asked to leave, at what point do you just become what they're making you? At what point do you just not say, well, you keep kicking me out of the cloud, you keep treating me like I'm bad, well, I'm going to show you bad, I'm going to turn it up 10 notches, because that's what we do. Some of these problem students that we have, teachers create them. They create them by not, A, being equitable, because if two, if the, if two kids are doing the same thing and you know two kids are doing the same thing, I ask y'all, if two kids in your class are doing the same thing, should the teacher get the same consequence? Mm-hmm. Why should the teacher get the same consequence? Because they were both doing the same exact thing. Yeah, and that was what we would call fair, or another word we would say is being equitable. Equal. Yeah, being equal, right? And when 
So how how did you feel, James? Let's go back to you. How did you feel when you got punished and the other kid didn't get punished? I felt angry at the other kid because um, I usually end up getting punished instead of the other kid. Or, like, um, I get a worse punishment than the other kid. Or, like, um, the other kid um, lies to the teacher about something that I did not do or something like that. So I get in more trouble than that person. So then not only do we recreate these 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 children, but we also allow other children to let them become the scapegoat. And I had a situation at my school um, recently where a situation that, that kind of happened. There was this kid who got blamed for something and this kid had been involved in a few other things, but this time it wasn't that kid. And when we asked kind of some of the other kids about it, it was just, that was just an easy kind of go to. And that's what happens in schools when we put ourselves in situations where we are triggering students, we are setting these students off. Then other kids see that, oh, this kid gets mad. So if anything happens in the classroom, we're just going to blame that kid. And I'm not going to have to take any responsibility. And because the teacher already has this narrative that this student is a bad student, the teacher is just going to believe us. And that's the type of situation. So instead of having a safe classroom for every single student, you have turned it into a toxic zone. You turn it into a place where you can't learn. And when you guys are spending time out of class, what are you, what are you not able to do if you're not in class? My work, so I can't really do my test. Like, and um, learning. I got angry. I kept talking when I was doing my test, so I had to go out of the classroom. But the te- when I came back, the test was already over, so I had to do the test um, the other day. And I couldn't finish it that day, so I had to finish it the other day. And so. Go ahead, Jeremiah. And the thing that happened to me was I was doing my tests and stuff, and I r- rose my hand, and I was looking the way my uh, the person who was by me, and then I asked um, asked them if they could move their their foot because um, their foot was in my um, not face um, my area my feet area, and it was annoying to me, so. Um, the teacher said, you you can't be talking, and then he started laughing, and I said, and I whispered that wasn't funny, and then I got in trouble, and then I had to go out of the classroom, but the thing, like, when I closed my computer, and I went to do a lap, and I came back, I opened my computer, it said I had to start over again, and so- on the last question. So in this situation, you're doing a test on the computer. You're trying to inform somebody, hey, get out of my area. The teacher says, oh, stop talking during the test. Kid laughs because they, you got in, in trouble. And then you say, that's not funny, and now you're being asked to leave, and now you have to start the test over. And so it's like a wasted learning opportunity. But the other thing is, part of a teacher's job is to, to do new skills. So if you're being out of the class, you're missing that new skill. And... Have you had times when you had the teacher was teaching something and you missed it because you were out of class? And did the teacher make that up with you? Yeah. No, she didn't really make it up with me. I never learned what that school was. So if you didn't hear that, one of my sons said yes, that the teacher did. And I will agree with that with him. And my other son said no. 
And I will tell you, I was I happened to be in a meeting with the superintendent of the school district my sons attend. And I was there as a parent representative. It was a meeting around equity um, in, in the district. And someone said, well, what is uh, what is your experience? And one of the things I said, and I looked at the superintendent, I said, I know we're talking about the achievement gap and the gaps between kids of color and white students in the district. And I said, but my kids, I mean, they're always on either the, the straight A honor roll or the AB honor roll. They're doing well. They are past the benchmark. They're reading two grade levels above their, their level. Um, one of my sons is in a, a, I guess for lack of a better word, you could say high ability math group, right? So it's called something funny like the sunshine. Is the sunshine group yeah. or something? Yeah, the sunshine group. But well, we all know, we all been in school. It don't matter if you call it a funny name. You make it a color. Everybody know who's in that group but I said I said if you're going to kick my child out of class and then you're teaching something while he's gone it is your responsibility to make sure he learns that skill when you kicked him out of class and now my sons are in third grade so they are aware that this was happening because they have a, a sign notebook and they're and they have to write down the agenda so they know on this day we were supposed to be doing the last time and I got kicked out during the last time. And now I'm back here the next day and I don't know how to how am I supposed to go back on the clock or forward on the clock. Right. I miss that. And so for your response to be like, well, I don't have time. I, I don't know what I'm going to I don't know what I'm going to do that. That's a problem. And so that's what I said. And so then I followed up with the superintendent. And I said this. I said. These are my kids who even if they miss this. They're still going to end up with an A in, in that subject area or a B. But what about the black kids? What about the kids of color that come to the district already uh, behind in some skills? They may not have the skills they need. And they're already behind. And so you kick those kids out of the classroom. So now you're adding more skill gaps on top of the fact that they're out of the classroom. And then the, my other issue with kids being, and so that's what I said. So what I said to her, and I was, I was pretty blunt and I was pretty direct because that's the issue. If you're talking, you cannot talk about the achievement gap and the opportunity gap without talking about behavior. If you're kicking kids out of the class, they are not learning. Sitting in in school suspension or what do they? Uh, God, what do they call it? Uh, they got a special room in in a school where you go. It's not called in school suspension, but it's kind of like that. You you not allowed to be in class. Um, if you're in those spaces. Those, and normally the people that run those spaces are not even classroom teachers. So it's not like they necessarily came to the school with a skill. So even if you got sick, because some, sometimes the schools, you know, send Sally. They're going to be in this room for half the day or during this content area or during this block. Send them what's worth. Well, that person is not even a classroom trained teacher. So they most of the time they don't have the skills to help you with your work. And so if you mad and you angry, that person like, I'm not even trying to uh, interact with that kid. So I'm just going to let them sit here. As long as they sit here and be quiet and they don't do their work, that's not my problem. Because my job is to keep you house and contained. And that's what we're doing. We're containing kids in rooms and not teaching them. And I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I did not send my sons, Jeremiah, I did not send them to school to go sit in rooms. I did not send them to school to go rock laps around the classroom. I did not send them to school to go sit in the hall. I sent them to school to get an education. I sent them to school to learn how to read, how to write, how to do math, learn about social studies, learn about science have music, take Spanish, go to the library, go to computer science, go to gym, 
That, I sent them there to have social opportunities. I did not send them to school to be kicked out of class. And so it kind of goes back to the topic of school staff should listen to students. Because if these staff members were listening to students, if my, the staff member was listening and saying, hey, these kids are bothering me. You, I know you talk to them, but they won't stop. Move them. Hey, when you kicked me out of class and didn't learn it, can you teach it to me? Hey, how do you explain it? I didn't understand. Can you teach it differently? Or, you know, <laughs> I don't get this. But many times, there are just some adults. I mean, I work at school. They did. They, they are above that. I don't have to listen to students. I don't need to ask their opinion. But I, I feel like they do. So, boys, if there was some advice you could give to teachers of what they could do differently or what they could do to better help kids, what would you what would you say to teachers, Jeremiah? I would say that um, don't assume stuff and think you're always right because some, most of the time, so, well, sometimes, or most of the time, some people, I mean, teachers aren't. Okay. Because, um, here's an example. I mean, um, the uh, behavior guy, um, he um, said that um i had to um that i had since i got in trouble that i had to um stay at this desk and um um stay at the desk and i had to ask him um so i so i could um go back to where i was sitting so i asked um the substitute teacher which wasn't mine, but another substitute teacher in the cafeteria, and she said I could go talk to him, so I did, and he got mad at me and said he, I knew that I, um, I wasn't supposed to do that, but I didn't. So to clarify, if you, you didn't understand the story that he just shared, he shared that this was in the cafeteria, right? He's in the cafeteria, he was asked to sit to the side by the behavior guy, and the behavior guy said, when you are calm, let me know and you can go back to your seat. Well, I don't know if he was there when he felt that when Jeremiah felt that he was calm, but he got up and told the substitute teacher, I am calm now. I'm ready to go back to my seat. And the behavior person got upset with him because he said, well, you know that you can't go talk to anybody else but me. And you. And so it became this bigger situation. And so now how do you feel after he was saying that you knew these things or saying that you couldn't go back to your seat because you didn't go directly to him. I don't feel comfortable going to his room to take a break. So he kind of made, he, there's no kind of to it. He made you feel unsafe. He made you feel like he's not a person you can talk to. He made you feel like he's not a person that's approachable. All right. So James, I'm going to kick it back over to you. What are some things, if you were going to give advice to teachers um, about things that they could do differently or things that they could do better to better support students, what would those things uh, be? Well, one of the things would be like, um, like, um, to not immediately call the kids' parents, depending on how bad they did. Like, if they threw a desk, I would call the parents. But, like, if they did a little thing, like, just kept talking and talking and talking, and then they went to your room and kept talking and talking and talking, um, I don't think you should call their mom or dad or, like, give them two chances or, like, 
I think you should give them like three chances instead of two. So your first um, piece of advice is call about the big stuff. Some of the little stuff, handle it in the classroom between you and the teacher, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. What else do you think teachers could do differently or how they, what things else should teachers listen for um, or do differently to better support students? Like if the teacher hears something that like you're not supposed to say, like inappropriate stuff, like that, um, some other things, like the teacher should say something to that other student because um, one time somebody said something that they weren't supposed to say and the teacher like, um, she seemed alarmed to hear that or something like that. So um, I noticed she um, noticed what he, he or she said. So um, the teacher um, knew her lining up. She didn't say anything to that student. So, um, so I think your second point is when something clearly has happened in the classroom and everybody has witnessed it, the teacher needs to address it and not just ignore it and pretend it didn't happen. And I think that goes back to creating a safe space because if you're creating a space where you are gonna allow certain behaviors to happen, then you have to respond to it. And I, and I, I get that because I've had students when I was a teacher, I'm an administrator now, to say like, you're the only teacher I can come talk to because you don't allow this uh, kid to make fun of me because of the clothes I wear to school. You say something when you hear someone talking about my mom or my dad. Um, you know, so you say something when kids are saying inappropriate comments. Um, you know, mom, you work with mostly middle school kids, so I'm not going to say some of the discussions I had um, that would trigger this. But I've had some specific discussion because in middle school and high school, you can talk about some certain topics. And we, we talked about uh, race and gender and some other things. And sometimes we talk about that people say offensive comments. And I'm like, hold up. I say pause, time out. And I reset the situation. Said, we don't use that language. We don't use those words. We don't describe this group of people like this. That's offensive. That's a stereotype. I stop it. And so that makes a kid feel like, oh, if I want to express a viewpoint, the teacher's going to protect me. Or if someone's saying inappropriate stuff, the teacher's not going to allow that. So I think that's important. Did either one of you have anything else or any other advice that you would like to give teachers before we kind of sign off? Um, Not right now, but I'm thinking of some. Well, like, I think the teacher should, like, see, you know how some people, like, they bring gum or mints or something like that to school? You know, those banned items, candy, toys, Beyblades. Yeah. Um, I think the teacher, like, she sees the stuff but doesn't do anything about it. Or, like, the whole, like, like somebody brings the gum to school, they give it to their friend, and then their friends tell other people. Then the other people get the gum. Then the people who got the gum tell their other friend, and then the other friends get the gum. It keeps going on. And then the teacher finally notice, notices the person who has the gum in their hand. And then they said, um, who else is chewing gum? And then some people, they don't really say the truth, so you have to literally like question the whole class. But if the whole class was doing it, the whole class would be in trouble. And if one person was not doing it, I think some other people would, like, blame that person or, like, say they did it, too, even though they were just sitting in line quietly. So to sum this up, I think what you're saying is the teacher needs to have some type of awareness of what's happening. Um, this, you can't just be oblivious to things going on. I had a situation where um, I was working with a teacher, 
and kids were just making stuff in the back of the classroom. I'm like, how are people back here just making stuff and you were just oblivious that this is happening? Like, they're clearly not doing the worksheet that you gave them. They're clearly not answering the constructive response. They are building little animals and toys and not doing the work. How do you not know? It's seven kids. It was seven children. So I think that you need to have some type of awareness. So, Jeremiah. Um, here's uh, something to back up what James said. One time, um, this person, they were chewing gum, and they told these other people, and eventually eight or seven people were doing it, and he gave me some. I said I didn't want it. He said, okay, but if you change your mind, I'll give you this. So he just took a little piece of it and then put it in his mouth and was chewing it. So I ran, I uh, jogged over to the teacher and said they were, chew, um, they were chewing gum. And she opened the wrapper and it, she thought I chewed it. And she said, were you chewing gum? I said, no. She's, then she says, how come it looks like someone bit it? I said, because someone took it off. She said, are you sure? Open your mouth. So I did. And she said, put out my tongue. So I did. Then she said, do the, like, um, pull out my, like, the side of my mouth. I did. She said, are you, did you swallow it? I said, no. Then she said, uh, did you put it in the trash can? I said, no. Then she said, um, you're not supposed to chew gum in class. I said, I didn't. And then she said, I know, but you chewed it. I said, I didn't. So I think it kind of goes back to what we would say, grown-ups would say, is assume the best. Because if I was a student, I'm not going to jog over to the teacher and be like, this is happening if I was involved with it, because that just doesn't make any sense. So, but you're in a situation, you're like, I'm not doing this. I'm telling you I'm not doing this. And instead of you believing me, I now have to give you this paper. I got to open my mouth, stick out my tongue. You're asking me to pull my jaw out so you can see that it's in my mouth. So I, I, I hear it. Here's your saying. Cause that goes back to school staff should listen to students. And let's keep it real. Kids are kids. Kids are still learning. Kids lie. So I'm going to put that out there. Kids sometimes are dishonest. But a lot of times, even when kids are dishonest, I find that there's, there's a why behind it. They don't feel safe or they, or they've told the truth so many times they weren't believed. They're like, well, what's the point of telling the truth? And now I believe it. I just might as well start lying. James. And um, another time that somebody was chewing gum was like. Oh, okay. So I, mommy's going to. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, my listeners will call this a tangent. That's when you're getting off a topic. I think, I think the gum point. I think they got it. <laughs> okay. And remember, mommy said like a couple minutes ago, I'm going to a close. Stay, stay, yeah, stay, stay with me. I did say that. Just now, though. So anyway, guess. See, see now, see, see what happened when you have your children on. See, see how I elevated my voice. I'm going to lower my voice back down and come back down. <laughs> Anywho, I am going to a conclusion. The end. <laughs> Wrapping this up. Okay. In conclusion, if you're listening and you work with children, listen to them. Assume the best. Think about what you could have done differently in the situation. And most importantly, do not create troubled children. Do not trigger children. Do not make them become what you think they are. Because I could go longer into implicit bias and to, um, okay, I'll give one more example before I close. I had 
No, mommy, you put your hands down. They can't see y'all. <laughs> I remember my sons were in preschool and they were doing, they were like roughhousing for lack of a better word. And I kept getting called about it. And so I came in the reserve. And if you've been following me on Twitter this week, you know, there's been a whole Twitter debate I've been involved in about whether parents should come in and reserve. So maybe that should be a whole other, other episode because, I mean, I've been involved in this Twitter feed for like three days now. But so I come in the reserve, and so I said to the teacher, I said to the teacher, just this. I said, oh, they were messing around just like, and I named off four white boys. Do you know I never got a phone call the rest of that school year from that uh, teacher about my boys roughhousing? So I'm just putting it out there that sometimes you got to bring it to the attention that you're seeing my black boys somewhere different. Are you seeing the? We talked about the uh, the adultification of black children. You're seeing. I mean, when my kids were in kindergarten, we went somewhere and someone told me they were in second grade, and then told me I was lying. And let me tell you why they told me we were lying. We were at like an international festival, and you had like a little passport, and you go to each station. It's one station you had to write something, and she says, "There's no way they're in kindergarten and can write like that and spell those type of words. That's what the lady at the booth said when we go and get our passport stamp. So I'm a, yeah, I'm going to come up there in front of my children and lie about their ages. But it goes back to the adultification of children having low expectations for ch- black children or children of color had a low expectation that my children couldn't write and spell the words. Like there's no way a kindergarten, a kindergarten black boys could do that. Problematic. So check yourself, teachers. Listen to students. And then when they tell you something, think about what you can do to support them. Think about what you can do differently to make the environment a good place for them to learn. Thanks for listening. Until next time.